Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the show, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on this Halloween weekend on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, of course, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. We are going over the Thursday night recap in today's show along with all of the late window of games for Week 8, injury updates, a mailbag segment for you guys at the end of the show. Lots of goodies, lots of things. We're going to make sure you are 100% fully prepared for your matchups this upcoming week. No doubt about it, because that's what we always do here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and on Facebook at BellyUpMDFFShow. Make sure you have those notifications up, because it's going to be a very busy weekend it's already been a very busy Friday this morning with some player news updates and everything like that. And of course, where would we be without having to start off the show with yet another COVID update? The Broncos and the Vikings both have a player test positive for COVID. The Broncos are taking it really safe, even though they were cleared because they sent the one guy who was who tested positive home and, all of course, all the close contacts. They went ahead and just decided they were going to shut it down, make it all virtual meetings this upcoming week instead of taking the chance of going into facility, even though they were cleared to enter the facility uh, today. But they're going to take, play it safe and probably be back tomorrow. As of right now, no games are in danger of being rescheduled at the moment. So that is the good news there. Everybody can expect to be able to be able to you know, play exactly who they want to play and and not have to worry so much as of this moment. Obviously, we know things like that can change on a dime, but we're going to be keeping you up to date here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. So we got to talk about last night's game, the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. The Falcons coming away with their second win of the season, 25-17. to This game was somewhat disappointing from a fantasy perspective, especially for for me, because I had Teddy Bridgewater as a top-five quarterback against the Atlanta Falcons. I didn't think the weather was going to be that bad. Uh, It wasn't overly windy, and that's usually... Rain and snow don't really affect games too much. Wind is what affects games, and it wasn't overly windy in this one. Just ask Julio Jones, who was able to have a nice game in in, in yesterday's, last night's matchup. 
But Teddy Bridgewater did get knocked out for a little bit on a savage hit. I mean, I don't even know how he was able to move his neck around after having a 300-pound man basically just fall flat on him. But he didn't have a great game for fantasy football purposes. One passing touchdown, had an interception, but not even 200 passing yards. Against the Atlanta Falcons, not even 200 passing yards. This Carolina Panthers offense just didn't look like the same offense that we had seen over the past few weeks. And here's what I'm going to comment on the Atlanta defense. I'm going to give them some credit. They were able to get a pass rush. Raheem Morris was aggressive. He sent the blitz. There was constantly free rushers coming through on that game, and it rattled Teddy Bridgewater. It got in his face. He was never able to get... Uh, settled in, was never able to get in rhythm, had happy feet already in the first half because the Falcons, frankly, I have to give have to give uh, Raheem Morris some, some, some credit there because he sent everybody, he did what he had to do to mix things up and get that Atlanta defense playing aggressive rather than being back on their heels. And that's a big reason why for the first time, I believe, all year, frankly, because the Minnesota game was never really in doubt. The Falcons took care of business, and that one was their only other win. It's the only other game that it came down to the fourth quarter, and the Falcons actually finally held their ground. Finally. It's the first time all year we've seen it happen. They've always been giving up leads in the fourth quarter when it's been within a score or two. Now, part of that was because Teddy Bridgewater had to miss an entire drive there in the third quarter because he had to get knocked out, had to clear concussion protocol on the field right there, was able to go back into the game. So that's the good news moving forward. Bridgewater will continue to be in the streaming territory of quarterbacks, especially with Christian McCaffrey on the way back. We expect him to come back in Week 9. But it was really kind of disappointing all the way around. Even Mike Davis, who had a solid game here, 66 yards on 13 carries, but only one catch for 11 yards on two targets. Like I said, Mike Davis has cooled off over the past few weeks, and it wasn't that he wasn't running effectively, but the game script, because Carolina was actually trailing pretty much this entire game except for the first quarter, he was never able really to get going. They weren't able to give him 18-20 carries, which had they been able to, I think they probably would have won this game. But Christian McCaffrey comes back in Week 9. Better days are ahead, I think, for Teddy Bridgewater. Better days are ahead for this Carolina offense in general. I mean, we carry on to the wide receivers here. Robbie Anderson got eight targets, which you like to see. DJ Moore got his six targets in this one, which keeps in line with his monthly average of five to six targets. But now you're, you're kind of caught in a conundrum because I've been talking up DJ Moore as a sell-high candidate. Then he comes in, he only has two catches, 55 yards against the Atlanta Falcons. It's going to be a little tough to sell him high now. Now you still have the previous three weeks to kind of build your case off of. But this is my point. This stat line right here against the Falcons is what I've been concerned about with DJ Moore, why he's been a sell-high candidate for me on this show. Because he's only getting five to six targets a game. And in the games in which he doesn't get that big play, that doesn't equalize into a touchdown, you get two catches for 55 yards. You get a disappointing stat line. Because Robbie Anderson's getting the volume. Now, right, Anderson had less yards, but still five catches, 48 yards. If you're playing in half point full-point PPR leagues, he still winds up being the best receiver. But both of these guys were disappointments. I mean, the Carolina, like you said, Carolina in general is a disappointment. I had Mike Davis as a high-end RB, too. I had Teddy Bridgewater as a top-five quarterback. I had Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore in that wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two territory. None of that's going to come to pass. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't think that anybody's, you know, going to be harping on that because a lot of people had those guys in that range going up against the Atlanta Falcons in this matchup. It was just a completely disappointing game. I do think the Panthers get back on track, however, when McCaffrey comes back next week. Let's flip it over to the Falcons side of the ball. Let's talk about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has a solid game in this one. Not great. Doesn't have a passing touchdown. 
does come through, though, with a rushing touchdown. Matt Ryan, 27 yards on the ground. I can't. I don't know if I've ever seen Matt Ryan rush for 27 yards on the ground. I had to go back and check the numbers, but I'm pretty sure that's his career high in rushing yards in any one particular game. And because of that, he winds up having a decent fantasy day. He had almost about 18, 19 points, depending on how your league scores for you know the interceptions and everything like that, how many points you get deducted on that one. But he has a solid day. It wasn't a great day, but it was a solid day out of him. Worthy enough of you've played him, he's not going to be the reason that you lose your matchup this upcoming Sunday. It was solid enough. Better days, I think, are ahead for Matt Ryan, though, as well, because as long as he has Julio, there is a ceiling expectation. Is he the guy who's a bona fide top eight QB that he was looking like he was going to be at the beginning of this season due to that defense, due to the way the offense was playing? No, because it just seems like from a philosophical schematic standpoint, Dirk Cutter has really dialed back the aggressiveness, the throws down the field. He's not looking to go out there and drop 40 in the game anymore because they've been, I believe, so gun shy after being, you know, giving up those games in the fourth quarter over this past year. They suddenly are now starting the first quarter how they want to close out the fourth quarter. They're playing more conservative. They're trying to keep their defense off the field as much as humanly possible. As a result of that, they're not being as aggressive as they were early on in the season, which is limiting the ceiling as like guys for Matt Ryan. Now, the other thing that might limit the ceiling a little bit moving forward is that we don't know how long Calvin Ridley is going to be out. He left this game with a foot issue. The x-rays at the stadium came back negative, so that's the good news. But the bad news is that he still has to go get an MRI, and the tone around the Atlanta Falcons as of right now is that Calvin Ridley may miss a couple of weeks here. Which, I mean, Calvin Ridley's been pretty much the wide receiver one so far in fantasy for for 2020. So you're going to be missing him a little bit. That, of course, is going to hurt. In his, in his absence, however, you can expect Julio Jones to just... He's going to get double-digit targets every single week. So Julio Jones is going to reestablish himself as a top three wide receiver as long as he stays healthy over the next few weeks, I believe. Now remember, Atlanta does have a bye coming up in week 10, I believe. So we'll have to see if maybe Calvin Ridley winds up getting held out till after the bye week. Maybe he winds up coming back in week 11. But next week, for week 9, you better believe Julio Jones is probably going to be seeing double-digit targets in that one, just like he did in this game. Seven catches, 137 yards on 10 targets. That will continue. And who knows, maybe with Calvin Ridley out, Julio Jones will actually get a red zone target. He has a couple of touchdowns this year. None of them came with inside the red zone. But who knows, maybe with Calvin Ridley gone, he'll actually be able to get a touchdown next week in the red zone. Fingers crossed, but we all know how it goes with Julio and the red zone for no inexplicable uh, reason whatsoever, no logical reason at all. Hayden Hurst was fine in this game. He comes in. He'll be the streaming territory guy that you were hoping he would be. Five catches, 54 yards on seven targets in this ball game. Ridley, before he left, had three catches for 42 yards. So you're really going to be left disappointed there with Calvin Ridley, unfortunately. We'll have to see exactly how that plays out later on. The other thing of note that we have to talk about here is the running back situation. Todd Gurley, 18 carries. Todd Gurley, only 2.6 yards per carry. Still not very efficient, but Todd Gurley falling into the end zone again. I believe he has eight touchdowns now on the year already. We're only at the halfway mark. He's definitely going to get the double digits and touchdowns. That's why he's going to be, he's going to finish the year as a high-end RB2, if not a low-end RB1, given some of the injuries going around, as long as he just keeps falling in the end zone. And you have to keep playing Todd Gurley as a high-end RB2 right now because he continues to find ways to fall into the end zone. Now, this was the last game, at least for a little bit of a stretch, 
where he was going to have plus matchups, right? Because th- that we knew that this part of the season, Gurley had a chance to get to rack up the touchdowns because it was going to be plus matchups against some of the defense that he was facing. Next week, I believe they face the Denver Broncos, if I'm not mistaken. That's not a great matchup for Todd Gurley in that one. They've been pretty good against the run. Not that he can't still fall into the end zone and still score when he gets set up by this Atlanta offense because that's what they're looking to do. And not saying that the Atlanta Falcon offense in general is not going to be able to move the ball next week, but you can continue to play Todd Gurley as a guy who can is touchdown dependent. This is not going to be as good of a matchup. And then they have the bye in Week 10. So what I'm saying to you is that if you are looking to sell high on Todd Gurley because of his touchdown output, I think your window is this week to do it. It would be this week heading into the Denver game to do it. Because after that, we might see his production start to taper off a little bit, and it's going to be kind of hard to sell him. Not to mention, most fantasy football leagues out there, their trade deadline is week 12, which is coming up. It's, it's a month away now, guys. We're, we're about to enter November. It's Halloween weekend. But usually about Thanksgiving week is usually most people's trade deadlines. Make sure you check your leagues to find out exactly when yours is. But don't miss out. If, especially in a situation where you have guys that you want to sell high on. Like I talked about here with Todd Gurley, like I've talked about with uh, DJ Moore in this particular matchup right off the bat. So that's going to close. Well, actually, one more note before we close out the Thursday night football recap, which is we have to talk about the fact that Brian Hill was the more efficient running back on the day, and he had 11 carries. Now, I don't think there's too many games in the future where the Falcons are going to have 29 carries combined between a Brian Hill and a Todd Gurley. I don't think there's too many games in the future where the Falcons are actually going to be leading for the majority of the game either. The defense is still bad. They came out with a good game plan and it worked, but the defense is still bad. Most games are going to be coming back from behind rather than this being the other way around. Now, they might get away with it one more time against the Denver Broncos, but it's just something of note that Brian Hill was worked into a significant amount in last night's game, and Todd Gurley went back to not being involved in the passing game at all, which is something that had been a silver lining of his the past two weeks as he'd been getting four and five targets. It looked like he was finally getting involved in that aspect. Wasn't at all in this game. It was Brian Hill, three targets, two catches, nine yards. So it just kind of confirms that Gurley's just nothing more than a touchdown-dependent RB2 right now. And Brian Hill, you don't like to see games like this where Brian Hill gets to eat in the work. Now, I will say... A couple weeks ago, we got a little bit worried about this, and then Brian Hill disappeared and went away. So I'm not saying that Brian Hill is now, from here on out, this is evidence that he's going to get maybe 40% of the work. That, that, that's not what I'm saying, because we've seen him disappear after doing that. But what I am saying, it's a little disheartening when you see Brian Hill be that much more efficient, and it's something that could happen maybe coming out of the bye, because that's when a lot of teams will make some adjustments to what they had been doing so far to that point. Something we just have to keep our eyes on heading into next week. So now that will close out the Thursday night recap. What we'll do now before we go ahead and start going into the rest of our preview matchups for week eight, because we're going to be talking about the late window in today's game, talk about the primetime games, get you guys all set up. I like to go through the injury updates from the games that we talked about in yesterday's show. Now, remember, if you want to go back and watch or listen to yesterday's show, you absolutely can. All you have to do is check out the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android or WWSRN on iOS or go to any one of your favorite streaming apps where we're available to you, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anything Uh, Any app that you go to for your normal episode, your normal listenings, we are available to you guys there too. So go back, check out yesterday's show because you're going to want that information because we went over all of the early window games in that one. So let's talk about these injury updates that we have. And oh, you know what? I got to go ahead. We need to hit the, uh, the breaking news sounder. Breaking news. 
Joe Mixon is out. Joe Mixon is out officially. Now that's not really surprising. Uh, he hasn't practiced. He didn't practice at all this week. He didn't practice at all last week. I talked about last week how I expected them to probably keep him out until after the bye, and that was going to make more sense. That's look like is exactly what they're going to do now. Remember, Bengals are on a bye in Week Nine. They'll come back Week Ten. I think there's a more likely scenario that we'll see Joe Mixon then and be pretty close to 100% healthy uh, when he does go in when he does show up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. One thing of note, we've been we kind of been pining for this, right? We need some details on this Joe Mixon injury because they still won't give us any. And Zach Taylor still declined to give any specifics on his, now they're calling it an ankle or foot issue. He's saying there's just some issues with the foot regarding his playing status. Coach of the team held out hope, but it's not going to be this week. I don't know why this is like the one injury in the entire NFL where you can't get the head coach to tell you anything about the injury or what the nature of it even is. All we know is that it's a foot issue or an ankle issue. We're not 100% sure. And as far as whether it's a sprain, whether it's a strain, whether it's whether there's any, we have no idea because Zach Taylor just refuses to give us any details. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it where we've gone weeks now where a coach will just flat out not tell you exactly what the injury is. But that means Giovanni Bernard will be the starting running back. I will be re I will be updating my rankings for you guys all throughout the weekend. Of course, they'll be finalized by Sunday morning, so you'll have something to go off of on bellyupfantasysports.com. You can always go check them out. Standard, half point, full point PPR. Everything's available to you there. We'll be updating those. And Giovanni Bernard, I could tell you just off the top of my head before even fixing the numbers, uh, he'll be a high-end RB2, if not possibly a low-end RB1 in this match against the Tennessee Titans. Because they can't cover the running back coming out of the backfield. That's the best thing about Bernard is what he's going to do in the receiving game. We saw it last week. He's going to have a high floor. And if he scores you a touchdown, he'll finish as a top 10 running back. I think there's absolutely no doubt about that. So let's go ahead and talk about our injury updates. That was actually one of them was Joe Mixon. That we were going to talk about the fact that he didn't practice again yesterday. So I'm glad we get the confirmation during the show. I think this is the second week in a row that we actually wind up getting the breaking news about Joe Mixon being out. So it's actually working out pretty well being in this time slot there, being able to keep you guys up to date. One guy I want to talk about who's not in himself fantasy relevant, but is going to have some fantasy impact is Stephon Gilmore. It looks like Stephon Gilmore might actually miss this upcoming week. He's had an, He had an injury in practice yesterday. They had an MRI. Uh, he tweaked his hamstring. They don't think he's going to play which opens up the door for what Stephon Diggs' ceiling might be, gives him a little bit of a boost, kind of puts him into that bottom-tier wide receiver one this week. Not that he wasn't already, not that he already didn't have a high floor because of the double-digit target share he's essentially been seeing almost every single week. But now if you combine that with not having to worry about being shadowed by Gilmore, Diggs might be in line for a pretty nice week here against the New England Patriots, a defense who hasn't been very impressive even with Gilmore in there. And this is more interesting from an NFL level because Gilmore is somebody who's being talked about as possibly being traded before next week's deadline. I kind of wonder if this will give it a little extra merit into that where they're like, hey, you know what? We'll hold him out. We want to make sure we can trade this guy next week. That's going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch, especially for your upcoming matchups with your wide receivers against New England Patriots if they no longer have Gilmore to shadow the number one receiver for guys. So Stephon Diggs takes a little bit of a hit up. Uh, going into the week with Gilmore probably not playing in this one. 
A.J. Brown did not practice Thursday. Do not worry about A.J. Brown, okay? He practiced in full Wednesday. They're following the same pattern they have for the past couple of weeks now, which is instead of holding him out on Wednesday and giving him rest, they've been practicing him on Wednesday. Then they hold him out on Thursday, and then he goes back into a full practice again on Friday. That's been the routine the past couple of weeks as part of their maintenance on him with the knee bruise that he had sustained early on in the season. Obviously, his explosiveness has not been a factor over the past couple of weeks. We just saw him go for six catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown last week. He's going to have a nice matchup this week against Cincinnati Bengals in a game that I believe could wind up being a shootout. Expect A.J. Brown out there. He's going to be fine, even though he didn't practice yesterday. It wasn't a downgrade. He didn't sustain an injury on Wednesday's practice or Thursday's practice or anything like that. Uh, We have Aaron Jones. That's another one. He didn't practice yesterday. That's what we were kind of waiting on. We get, I talked about this in yesterday's show where everybody who's around the team has kind of been looking at this as they are going to play it super safe with their players, especially when it comes to guys like Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. And it's looking more and more like the Packers are actually going to go ahead and hold him out for another week to make sure he's completely healthy. I know this is maddening if you're an Aaron Jones owner. Hopefully, if you are an Aaron Jones owner and you've been listening to this show, you also have Jamal Williams, so you should be fine either way. But unless Aaron Jones is able to get out there and do something in practice today, which we're kind of not anticipating at this moment, and we might even get an update while this show goes on later on, I would not expect Aaron Jones to be out there this Sunday. I expect it to be Jamal Williams' show again against the Minnesota Vikings in a nice matchup. Again, Jamal Williams, kind of like Giovanni Bernard, is going to find himself being a high-end RB2, low-end RB1, given his full workload. He was the bell cow last week. I expect him to be the bell cow again this week. I don't expect A.J. Dillon to be a thing. And even if he is, you have the floor of Jamal Williams being the pass catching back in a great matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. So Jamal Williams, you fire him up if Aaron Jones does not play as a top play this upcoming week without a doubt. And DFS lineups, Bernard and Williams should be in your lineups this week too because you're going to be able to you're going to be able to save a ton of money if you have those two as your running backs and make sure you're listening to this to not this show but to the DC's DFS show that I host with my boy Chris Pinto every Saturday night, 9.30 to 10.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, presented by Belly Up Sports. So make sure you check that out tomorrow night. We'll go through our DFS lineups and get you guys on your way to winning some money there, too, because that's going to be a couple of names that we're probably going to wind up talking about. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Dalvin Cook was limited in practice yesterday with the groin issue. Uh, he, he's going to be good to go. As long as he doesn't have a setback in practice 
uh, today on Friday. He'll be good to go on Sunday. You fire him up. He's a top three running back for us this week, and we expect him to be fine. This is a little bit interesting right now. Mark Ingram did not practice yesterday. We're going to wait to see if he winds up being able to do anything today. If he can't go, it will be Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins splitting the workload, with Dobbins presumably getting all of the receiving work. Not that there's been a ton for the Ravens' backfield in general this season so far, but he would be the one getting the pass-catching down work. He would be the lightning to Gus Edwards' thunder and either way, I don't obviously you can't love the matchup for either one of these guys, regardless if Mark Ingram plays or not, because you have the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into town. And outside of Derrick Henry, who really only wound up having a decent game because he fell into the end zone and just continues to get high volume no matter what the game script is for the Tennessee Titans, we haven't seen a running back really have a great day against the Steelers defense. So even if Mark Ingram misses and the touches as a result of that get narrowed down to a J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, I'm still not going to love playing either one. If we're talking about full point PPR, I can see playing J.K. Dobbins as a potential flex play this week just because he will get the receiving work. Uh, That is the one matchup with Devin Bush out that you might be able to take advantage of. And it will be interesting to see J.K. Dobbins get thrust into a role where he's going to have to play more. He's going to have to touch the ball more. Uh, A lot of things to watch there, but still from a fantasy standpoint, unless I'm in a full-point PPR league and I need a guy in the flex, I don't know how much I really want to play a Ravens running back even with Ingram not in the mix, and which it looked like it could possibly be. Now, it also means that this injury for Mark Ingram is a lot more serious than what we talked about. Now, he could very easily be back next week, but they were pretty confident coming in that the, he was going to be back for this game against the Steelers coming out of the bye, and he still has not been able to practice. So that means we don't have a great estimated timeline for you guys because clearly they lied to us or, or miss misestimated the situation in their own right when evaluating Mark Ingram and how long he's going to be out with the ankle issue. So something we're going to have to keep our eyes on because once they get past the Steelers and it's down to J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, that's where it's going to be interesting. That's where you're going to be able to play both of those guys as RB3 and actually have some expectations for a higher ceiling than what we've seen to this point. So that's why you, I think you should pick up Dobbins. I think you should pick up Gus Edwards if you have the capability of doing so just on the off chance that Ingram maybe misses a little extra time outside of just this week. Now, obviously, that's something we're not going to know until next week. And make sure you're following us at Show on Twitter for those update news notifications because we'll make sure we got you on the right path there. But something to kind of keep in mind, depending on what your roster construction is and if you have a spot that you can you use to be able to pick up a Dobbins or a Gus Edwards on that possibility. Uh, we don't we don't know that's going to be the case, but it's a possibility. Last two injuries that we're going to update you with: Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perryman, both are, have been ruled out already. Just coming on to the show, they will be out of this game against the Kansas City Chiefs. I guess on one hand you could say, well, that means everything goes to uh, Barrios and Denzel Mims. And I think if you are in a super desperate situation where you just need somebody with a pulse who might get you five receptions in a game, especially if you're talking about half-point, full-point PPR leagues, Barrios has performed well or has been targeted a lot, I should say, when Jamison Crowder has been out. The slot receiver is the one position that might be able to take advantage of a Kansas City Chiefs defense this week. Only if you're in a desperate situation, though. Otherwise, I don't want to play any Jets in this game with both Crowder and Perryman out. I don't know what they're going to do offensively to be able to move the ball all that well. The KFC Chiefs defense is getting healthier, is getting better, have been playing really well as of late. 
it's just it, this is going to be a mess of a game. Here's what I will say. I think this adds a little bit more credence to my argument yesterday of while I do still have Patrick Mahomes ranked as the number one quarterback on the week, I am a little bit worried about his floor because, frankly, I think the Chiefs could snooze and still win this game by 20. And if they're going to do that, Mahomes, is, he just may not throw the ball a lot. This does add more fire under me, though, about having Le'Veon as a low-end RB2 heading into this game, about the idea that he's going to score a touchdown in this game, at least one. I wouldn't be surprised if it was more than that. The Chiefs are going to give him opportunities to be able to twist that knife against the Jets this week. And if they have no threat whatsoever, no concern in any capacity that they are going to lose this game or it's even going to be close at any, at any point, which is how it's kind of shaping up to be right now, they might go ahead and give him quite a few opportunities in the second half to kind of twist the knife a little bit more. Meaning, I wouldn't be surprised if Le'Veon Bell winds up with 12 carries and three or four receptions in this game. Meaning I'm looking at a 15-16 opportunities against the Jets. CEH will get the same opportunities. He's still going to play him as well. I can see them both being heavily involved. I can see both of these running backs combining for over 30 opportunities in this game. Easily. Easily. I think that makes it very interesting. That's why Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 this week because Le'Veon Bell just kind of eats into the work where he's probably not going to get 20 opportunities by himself. But Le'Veon Bell is going to be a low-end RB2, high-end flex play. I believe you can play him this week, especially when you talk about half-point and full-point PPR leagues. He's going to get an opportunity to score. So now that we went through all the injury updates from yesterday's show and yesterday's slate of games that we talked about, now we can go ahead and move into our first late-window matchup between the Chargers and the Denver Broncos. Justin Herbert here, of course, is a must-play that we have for you guys. Now, that shouldn't come as a shock or really surprise anybody, I would imagine. Against the Denver Broncos, they've been playing tough fundamental defense, for sure. And we have Herbert, I was, I was trying to find it here, we have Herbert top five uh, this week. He's number five quarterback on the week against the Denver Broncos in this one. He's just been playing really well. And right now, the Broncos' defense, the way they're constituted, the way they've been playing as of late, is that they are a pretty tough run defense. But you can throw the ball on them. Which means Keenan Allen also should have a great game. I talked about this last week, too. Keenan Allen, as long as Justin Herbert is healthy and Keenan Allen is healthy, he is locked in to get double-digit targets every single week. And when you're getting a wide receiver like Keenan Allen, double-digit targets, in a matchup that there's really nobody on Denver you're worried about covering him, He's going he's gonna to cruise to 100 yards in this game. It's just going to be a matter of, do you score? Will that put you in the top three? Or are you going to wind up being wide receiver six for us on the week because you don't wind up scoring? Because the touchdowns are still a little hit or miss with Keenan Allen, even with Justin Herbert out there and the way he's been playing. But he's going to get double-digit targets. I mean, he's as, as safe as a floor as they really could possibly come right now as a top wide receiver getting double-digit targets every single week. So we love you some Keenan Allen. Love Justin Herbert this week. I think the only question you're really at, well, two questions you're asking yourself when it comes to the Chargers. What do you do about Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly? And can you stream Hunter Henry? Hunter Henry is really frustrating. Now, I kept my my analysis on Hunter Henry, my stance on Hunter Henry to this point has been he's seeing five to seven targets every single week, which didn't change last week. Therefore, you have to continue playing him as a borderline tight end one, a borderline top 12 tight end, because there's just so many tight ends out there who are touchdown dependent and just not seeing that kind of target share any given week. 
And so he's been consistent in that number. He's been consistent in the opportunities. But there has been no execution. We're still waiting for him to break across the end zone. And even though he's been getting five to seven targets, it hasn't mattered. It hasn't hasn't resulted in so much. He's had a couple of good, solid games, but nothing exciting, nothing crazy, nothing over the top. This Broncos team is not a team that is particularly susceptible to tight ends to begin with. We have him at tight end 18. Now, that would suggest that we have him in the low-end streaming range and that you can find better options. But here's what I will say when it comes to Hunter Henry. Because he's still been seeing those five to seven opportunities, I don't know if I want to turn around and and, and drop Hunter Henry for a tight end on the waiver wire. I don't know that's something I want to do. It has been incredibly frustrating. I don't know if it gets better. I have to believe it gets better as long as he continues to see the opportunities because it's not Mike Williams getting the ball. Mike Williams is not somebody you can play in this game. Mike Williams is not somebody you can play if Keenan Allen is healthy, period, in any matchup. Herbert's not looking for him. Herbert's not looking to be aggressive. He's looking for Keenan Allen. He's looking for the check down. That's it. That's all, and it's working. He doesn't have to open it up anymore outside of that. He's not targeting Mike Williams enough for him to be a thing. The other targets are going to Hunter Henry. Eventually, I have to believe, especially when it gets into the red zone, those will start to hit at some point this season, at least enough to make Henry a feel-good top-12 tight end again. So while he is my tight end 18 on the week, I would not suggest going out and dropping Hunter Henry to pick up a different tight end to play this week. Now, if you have another roster spot that you don't, and you have a player that you don't mind dropping, or if you're able to put somebody like a Joe Mixon or a James Crowder on your IR and you opened up an extra bench spot, then I would maybe look for a tight end to play over Hunter Henry. But I'm not going to drop Henry for another tight end who's about in the same range anyway. Like I'm not going to drop Henry for a guy like Mike Isicki, who is our tight end 14. So technically, we're a little bit higher on him this week, but I'm not going to drop Henry for a guy like Mike Kosicki, whose whose involvement has been very inconsistent to this point. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to drop a Hunter Henry for a Harrison Bryant who comes in as a top 10 tight end for us this week as a top end streamer. I'm not going to drop a Hunter Henry for Richard Rodgers, who's a top six tight end for us on the week. I'm not going to do any of those things. If I can get those guys and still keep Henry, then I will. I want to stress that point when you when because when people start getting into that streaming tight end territory, you start dropping guys that you really shouldn't drop. So don't hurt your team down the road just to try to get a little bit of an upgrade this week. Because eventually these targets should hit for Hunter Henry. The running back situation between Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. I still believe Justin Jackson is the more valuable back. I still believe at the end of the day, Justin Jackson is the guy who's going to see the bulk of the work. I believe last week, the reason why Joshua Kelly edged him out as far as touches go was just because Jackson was banged up. He didn't really practice until Friday, and he was looking more and more like a game-time decision. Well, he's been practicing this week. There hasn't been really any concerns when it comes to Justin Jackson right now. So we expect him to be pretty healthy in this game. Now I have them ranked pretty close to one another. I have Jackson at 25. I have Joshua Kelly here at 29, making them both higher-end RB3s for me on the week. Jackson has a much higher floor, though, because more times not, he'll be the guy who's more involved in the passing game. And he's going to be right there with a Hunter Henry, I believe, as far as who's the second targeted pass catcher because Herbert is looking for the check down in the backfield coming coming out. And I think if Jackson was a little bit more healthy, you wouldn't have seen him and Kelly get five receptions last week. I think you would have seen Jackson with seven or eight receptions. But that's the point right there. The two running backs between Jackson and Kelly last week had 10 catches. So the second, the second best pass catcher on this team is the running back. 
And if Jackson's healthy, that should be him. I wouldn't surprise me if he sees eight targets in this game, which just gives him a much higher floor. He doesn't need to score like Joshua Kelly does to give you back your fantasy value that you're looking for. And we are going to hit the breaking news one more time because we just got some nice news. Breaking news. We had just talked about this a little while ago. Mark Ingram didn't practice again today. That means he does not practice all week. We do not expect him to play in this matchup. So everything that we talked about with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards will stand heading into Sunday. So Mark Ingram did not practice again today. Will probably be ruled out either later on today or sometime tomorrow to give you guys the update there. Okay, so back to Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly I think Jackson has a nice floor against Denver Broncos. It's not a great matchup. So I'm not expecting him or even Kelly for that matter to be very efficient on the ground. That's why I kind of expect the Chargers to throw the ball a lot in this game because that's the best way to move the ball against this Denver defense right now, especially on the road in Denver. But I expect Jackson to be somebody that you can play in the flex. You can play as a low-end RB2 possibly because of that target share that we expect him to have because he's been practicing all this week. We expect him to play more than last week. We expect him to be the guy who gets more touches than Joshua Kelly most of the time, unless he's injured, unless he's, you know, unless he's a little bit banged up until Austin Eckler comes back. And then when Austin Eckler comes back, and I'll talk about this a little bit here too, because this has been a big question in everybody's mind. When Eckler comes back, which running back is more valuable? That, that's what everybody wants to know. Like, which one am I, should I hold on to for the rest of season value? So right now, it's Justin Jackson until Austin Eckler comes back. He's the more valuable back. But when Eckler comes back, it's Joshua Kelly again. Because remember, Justin Jackson's skill set is a little too similar to Austin Eckler's. Where Joshua Kelly has the thunder, he has the more physical presence. They're going to want to use him more at the goal line and short yardage situations. Jackson will wind up being kind of the odd man out once Austin Eckler comes back. So if you're looking for somebody to own rest of season, Joshua Kelly I think has a little bit more value. But until Eckler comes back, Jackson is the guy that you want to play in your flex, in your fill-ins on the upcoming bye weeks. I'm getting a little bit more news here because we talked about Stephon. I'm not going to hit the breaking sounder on this one. We talked about Stephon Gilmore, probably not going to play. He didn't practice. Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry didn't practice either. It looks like they're not going to have any of those players in this game. That, oof, that Bills-Patriots game is going to be really brutal. Definitely bet on the Bills as a lock of the week because I don't know what the Patriots are going to do offensively. How horrendously they have looked, and then they're not even going to have their main guys to throw to. Could be a big James White game, though. Keep that in mind, because if there's no Nikhil Harry, there's no Julian Edelman, Targa's got to go somewhere. It'll probably be James White more times not coming out of the backfield. So James White, PPR leagues, half-point PPR leagues, might have just entered flex territory where I wasn't even playing a New England Patriots uh, coming into this week. And I still probably wouldn't want to if I can avoid it, if I had better options. But he just got a little bit of a higher floor now with those guys out. So try to keep that in mind as well. So we flip over to the Denver Broncos side of the things. Philip Lindsay is going through the concussion protocol. He was able to practice in a limited capacity yesterday. That's usually a pretty good sign that he is progressing through it because at first they were talking about they really did not expect Philip Lindsay to actually make it through concussion protocol and play this week. That's how bad they thought it was. But if he was able to practice in limited capacity yesterday, if he's able to practice again today, which we're not going to find out that out until much later on today in the afternoon. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow. He will have a decent chance to be able to play on Sunday. What we saw while Philip Lindsay was healthy was 
pretty much a 55-45 split as far as the carries go. Now, Melvin Gordon's still the pass-catching back because he's still the much better blocker, and he's a good receiving back out of the backfield, which makes him the more valuable back regardless of whether Philip Lindsay is able to play or not. But if Lindsay is able to play, he was getting enough work and he was efficient enough with his touches that I believe he can be somebody you play in the flex against the Chargers that you can have success running the football on. Now, if he does not play, as of right now, we have it kind of ranked that way, Melvin Gordon will be a top 15 running back for us on the week. You still, And even if he does play, you still have to play Melvin Gordon as a low-end RB2, but he'll be a mid-level to high-end RB2 if Lindsey can't go in this one. This is something we're going to have to keep our eyes on. Uh, Tim Patrick, the other injury for the Denver Broncos that they're dealing with right now, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. He was not able to practice Wednesday or yesterday. We're not expecting him to be able to go this Sunday. That means Jerry Judy. That means KJ Hamler. You're, people are going to want to look for value in this one, and I, I understand that. But against the Chargers, they still have Hayward. They've been able to line up on the on, on and take away one wide receiver and shadow. He's probably going to shadow Jerry Judy. And Judy hasn't done anything over the past few weeks since Cortland Sutton's been out to give me this confidence that I can play him anyway. So Jerry Judy's not somebody that we have ranked inside of our top 36, not somebody that I would want to play. I would think you have better options and better matchups to be able to go to because I can't imagine, while Jerry Judy is somebody who's over 50% rostered and he's on people's teams, I can't imagine you've been playing him too much anyway unless you're in a desperate situation where you just have everybody on by and you just need to find bodies at this point. He'll be the number one target, you know, theoretically, because there's no Tim Patrick. But it hasn't been great. There's nothing much to go on. It's a very low floor in this game, a very bad matchup for him in particular. I would try to find a better option if you're looking, if you're staring down the barrel of possibly playing a Jerry Judy. KJ Hamler, same thing. I mean, if you want to take your shot on a KJ Hamler in a DFS lineup because he has the big play ability and he's looking like he's a little bit more healthy at this point then I think you can do that because he'll be super cheap, and he does have a big play threat capabilities. He shouldn't be seeing Hayward too much in this game. He should be on the opposite side. Drew Locke may fire one at least. We know he has the arm to do it. But that's the only scenario in which KJ Hamler is going to be fantasy relevant to me in any capacity whatsoever. Otherwise, I don't think you can just. I don't think there's a Denver Broncos wide receiver you want to play in this game. Noah Fant's going to be the lead receiver. We have him at tight end 11. Albert O has been getting more involved as of late. I think the Broncos are going to be more of a two tight end team probably the rest of the way. Put a little more emphasis on the running game, which is why I think Melvin Gordon's value comes up a little bit, even with Philip Lindsay back. And Noah Fant, even though he didn't have a great week last week, he still played his normal set of snaps. He still ran his normal amount of routes. He is the main mismatch, and you can make the argument that he should be the number one pass catcher of the Denver Broncos, too. So we're not going to be super concerned about that. Noah Fant's still going to be a top 12 tight end for us. We'll be keeping our eyes on Albert O. If he continues to be heavily involved, then the Broncos, just instead of having wide receivers, might have two tight ends that will actually have fantasy relevancy. That's something I'm going to be watching as we go through that game. So moving on now to our next 4 o'clock game, our next late afternoon game, which would be the Saints and the Chicago Bears. This is setting up to possibly be an ugly game. I mean, this is what Chicago Bears do. They ugly everything up. They muddy everything up when you're looking at it from a fantasy standpoint because their defense has been solid, their offense has been horrendous, and as a result, the opposing team, one, has a tough time moving the ball consistently because the, de- the defense has been very good. But two, don't have a ton of pressure to try to be super aggressive and attack the defense down the field because the Bears on the other side can't score points anyway. 
and it doesn't really seem to matter who the defense is. So we might be on our way to seeing another ugly game in this one. Obviously, you have Alvin Kamara. He's our RB1. Probably will remain our RB1 every single week with what he can do in the passing game. Uh, Latavius Murray is somebody who's a little bit interesting to me if you're getting hit hard on buys this week as a RB3 possible flex play just because he continues to see double-digit carries, especially if Michael Thomas is going to be out. Now, speaking to Michael Thomas, it was looking more and more like he was going to miss again this week. He was able to practice in a limited capacity yesterday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And that was big because we didn't expect him to practice yesterday. After not practicing Wednesday, it still had not sounded good about his hamstring. But he was able to practice in a limited capacity. If he's able to come back today, he didn't have any setbacks, and he's able to get another limited practice in today, I would lean more towards the idea of Michael Thomas actually being active in this game. Now, it's not a great matchup. The Saints are on the road in this one against the Chicago Bears. So you're going to have to keep that into consideration. But... I do think if Michael Thomas plays, you finally have the opportunity to play him, you should go ahead and do so. I don't think you wanna I don't think you wanna miss out on Michael Thomas finally making his debut. So if he plays, you go ahead and plug and play him. I wouldn't have high expectations. I wouldn't have top five wide receiver aspirations. As of right now, we don't have Michael Thomas ranked as if he's going to play. I'm going to be updating those rankings throughout the weekend as we get more information on that. I could tell you he's probably going to fall somewhere in the top 20, top 18. So he'll be more of a wide receiver too for us this week. But if he plays, you go ahead and play Michael Thomas. You don't worry about the matchup too much. You got to get him out there if he's able to go. And the good news is it's looking a little bit more positive that that's actually going to be the situation. Now, Emmanuel Sanders, he's somebody else we've been trying to keep our eyes on. What's going on with him? They do not have a timeline for when he's going to come off the COVID reserve list. So it doesn't look like it's going to be this week. He hasn't practiced yet. He hasn't even been activated off of it yet. So we wouldn't anticipate Sanders playing on Sunday, which kind of plays to having a decent floor with Michael Thomas if he's able to go because all the targets are going to go to Michael Thomas. Even Marquez Callaway, who wound up being the guy who gobbled up most of the targets with no Sanders and no Thomas last week, he's been banged up and out of practice with an injury. So it might just be down to Thomas and Traquan Smith. We know Traquan Smith is nothing. He's just a guy, the the hype on him, the hope on him that there had been over the past couple of years. I think you can go ahead and send that down the flush town because there's no reason to play Traquan Smith with any confidence whatsoever, even if he's the last wide receiver by default left standing because I would still want to play Jared Cook in that situation. He'll be involved. And he comes in at tight end 13 for us hovering around that top 12 area, kind of like he has been all year long looking for the touchdown. And it's not a great matchup for him here. Chicago's been very good against the tight end so far this year. So he, you are, if you're playing Jared Cook, you're hoping for a touchdown. 
but he still has more of an upside because of the targets that he could be seeing because of the wide receiver position right now for the Saints. So kind of just keep that in mind too. Drew Brees comes in at QB 15 for us. He's in that streaming territory. He doesn't have the ceiling of some of the other guys that in that range, like a Joe Burrow and a couple other guys that come to mind, a, a Baker Mayfield, a Derek Carr. He doesn't quite have the ceiling that they do, given that he's on the road against Chicago. But even though it hasn't been pretty all season long, Drew Brees has found a way to consistently give you 250 yards and two touchdowns almost every single week. And as long as he continues to do that, he's offering you a decent floor. So it depends on what your situation is, what quarterbacks are available to you. You could do worse than Drew Brees, though, especially if he does have Michael Thomas back. He has a safety blanket back. It will be a little bit more interesting. But by, by hook or by crook, he is somebody who's been able to give you solid fantasy production, even though he doesn't quite have the ceiling of a top five guy anymore right now. So we'll flip it over. We'll talk about Chicago. We'll talk about the conundrum that is David Montgomery every single week, you have to play him. You have to play him as an RB2. We have him ranked as an RB2 this week. We have him ranked as a high in RB2. I mean, the Saints defense, they're still tough to run on, but they haven't been as good as we expected them to be. They haven't been what we thought they were going to be. And with the amount of touches he's been seeing in the, in the passing game especially, David Montgomery has a decent floor that you know that you're not going to get destroyed by Montgomery's inefficiencies on the ground, by that offense's inefficiencies in general. He's been getting four to five receptions almost every single week since Tariq Cohen has been out. I don't expect that to be any different in this game. I mean, the running backs can actually catch the ball on the Saints. That's kind of been the point. They haven't been able to run on the ball on the Saints, but they can catch the ball on the Saints. I don't see why that would change this week, you know, being that's been the case. Outside of Allen Robinson, who's going through concussion protocol, we're waiting to see exactly what's going on with his practice status today, and that'll give us more of an indication of how he's looking for Sunday. The tone had been that we expect Allen Robinson to go, but we haven't had too many details on that situation yet. We expect to get more later on today, so make sure you're following us on Twitter, at BellyUpMDFFShow. If Allen Robinson plays, you have to play him. We have him at wide receiver 13 if he's good to go, even up against Marshawn Lattimore which on paper you say to yourself, oh, I don't know how much I want a piece of that matchup, especially given how Nick Foles has played as of late. Look, Marshawn Lattimore has been Marshawn Lattimore this year. That, that same secondary hasn't been nearly as good as you expected to be this year. And even though last week was disappointing as far as the target share goes for Allen Robinson, more times than not, he's been seeing double-digit looks as, as Nick Foles has taken over. I think they're going to get back to trying to force-feed Allen Robinson in this game because I think they're going to need to. So Allen Robinson is somebody that I'm going to play with confidence as long as he's out there as a high-end wide receiver, too. And Montgomery is a high-end RB, too, just because of the volume and the safe, the safe floor that he does have because of the reception game. I think the big question is, can you stream Jimmy Graham in a nice revenge game against the New Orleans Saints? We have him at tight end 22. The Saints have still been really good at the tight end position. I mean, I will say this, Jimmy Graham has as good of a chance to score a touchdown as any of the other tight ends that you're looking at as far as streaming options go this week. But that's what you have to bank on. Being that the Saints have been pretty good against the tight end so far this year, I think there's guys with just much higher upside that you can find. There's really no reason why you shouldn't be able to find a Harrison Bryant over a Jimmy Graham as you're heading into this week, and we would feel much more confident in a Harrison Bryant and his floor to ceiling ratio than we would about a Jimmy Graham in this particular game. 
just to give him the way the matchup has been. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We still have a couple more games in the late window to talk about. And of course, we still have a mailbag segment for you guys to get to. All of that and more when we get back to you right after these messages. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation. We are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Android app. Or if you have iOS on WWSRN, presented to you also by Belly Up Sports. And we've been talking about the late window of games. We recap the Thursday night game. We talk about the injury updates for you guys from yesterday's games and so far through the games that we've talked about for today. We have a couple more games that we want to preview for you guys. And then, of course, we have the mailbag segment still to get to before the end of the show, before the beginning of your Halloween weekend, of your Week 8 matchups, of your playoff race contentions, all of that, all in this weekend. How exciting is it? Take your kids trick-or-treating on Saturday, have a little bit of fun, have a nice, uh, hopefully, adult costume party at night, and then wake up Sunday morning ready to go, ready to make your playoff race to the finish line. We'll be with you every step of the way. Make sure you're following us on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. And you can ask us any question, anytime, anywhere, and we will get back to you. So we're talking about our last late window game, last late afternoon game, I should say, before we get to the primetime games. And this might be the game of the week. The San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. 49ers coming off a big win against the New England Patriots. And, of course, the Seahawks coming away with a disappointing overtime loss to the Arizona Cardinals, finally ending their undefeated season. And they have a lot of injuries that they're dealing with now, too. You have Chris Carson, who's headed for a game-time decision, we're told, but did not practice at all this week. However, Carlos Hyde hasn't been able to practice because of a hamstring issue either. Travis Homer hasn't been able to practice because he's been banged up. The last guy left standing might be DJ Dallas, which is why I don't think it's actually out of the realm of possibility all of a sudden that Chris Carson maybe finds a way to play in this game. We He's been playing through injuries this season already because he's a guy who's just flat out determined to try to change the perception on him that he's not he's injury prone, that he's not a guy who can ever get through a full 16-game season. This is a midfoot sprain. He shouldn't be out there. There's a high risk of re-injury when it comes to a midfoot sprain. But just given the landscape of the Seattle backfield right now, they haven't activated anybody off the practice squad yet. We suspect that they would one way or another. Although now I'm just getting a news alert that Travis Homer is expected to be available on Sunday. We'll see if we get anything about Carlos Hyde today in a second. But it might be really, really bad. And Carson might force his way into an important divisional matchup where they may not have Carlos Hyde. This isn't a good matchup against the San Francisco 49ers for any of the running backs involved. If Carson plays, you're probably going to have to play him, but there's going to be a low floor that comes with him because unless he is able to do most of his work in the receiving game, getting five to seven targets, and if he's injured enough, I don't know that will be the case because if Travis Homer is actually available, we might see Travis Homer in that role. You haven't been able to run on the 49ers right now this season. You haven't been able to do it. Javon Kinlaw, the rookie, has been very good. He's been getting blockers clogged up, freeing up Fred Warner to be able to clean it up behind him. You haven't been able to run on these guys, especially up the middle. And Seattle's offensive line hasn't really been creating a ton of holes either. So I don't know what you're going to get out of a Chris Carson, even if he is able to play. But because he's Chris Carson, because he's going to have the opportunity to score, because he does give you something in the passing game if he's out there, I think you're going to have to play him. 
It's just a situation that's going to have a lot of risk, and you're just going to have to temper your expectations overall for his ceiling. I don't expect him to go. The smart thing, at least, would be to hold him out. The smart thing would be to not have him go. But we're going to wait to see what happens, because if Hyde can't go, all of a sudden that door opens up in a tough matchup uh, with a divisional opponent. So we'll have to see. If Carlos Hyde does play, and we, as of right now, our rankings were having Chris Carson out and Carlos Hyde playing, we do have Carlos Hyde at RB19 because he had been involved in the passing game as well. Now, we're probably going to come down on that when I go to update these rankings again over the weekend, especially given that he hasn't really been able to practice too much, so he might be limited, especially in the passing game, if he, if he is able to go. But after watching last week when he got the bell cow type of workload, when Chris Carson went down, that was before Travis Homer was banged up, and that was with DJ Dallas uh, active. It led us to believe that he was going to have a high floor against his old team. So kind of keep that in mind, but this is a situation that's probably going to play itself out more so over the weekend, and we'll be there for you every step of the way on social media at Show to kind of help you out you know, and get through, get through this particular situation. But right now, we honestly, we don't know enough. I do know that Russell Wilson is still my number one quarterback this week. Kyler Murray's out, who's been the number one QB so far this season, just because he's been running like an animal. But Russell Wilson, even in a quote-unquote tough match against the 49ers, you can't, while you can't run on the 49ers, you can throw on the 49ers. And I'm sorry, we don't have him at QB1. We have him at QB4, excuse me. But a, Q, a QB1, a top-five quarterback this week. You can still throw the ball on the San Francisco 49ers. Witherspoon, they just still don't have Sherman back. Witherspoon and Mosley out there, those are guys that they're pretty sound fundamentally. But when you have superior athletic talent on the perimeter, which Seattle obviously does with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you can beat them deep. You can take advantage of them, especially when they try to get aggressive and play zero coverages, which is what they will do sometimes. DK Metcalf is going to get back on track in this matchup because he's just athletically too superior. Also keep in mind, the 49ers for the second week in a row may not have any of their starting safeties. They may be back on their backups again this week. And while that didn't cost me against the New England Patriots because they didn't have anybody who could get past them deep, they didn't have anybody who could challenge that back end of the secondary, it is going to get real ugly when you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett running down your throat and you don't have the typical over-the-top help that you normally would when you have your starting safeties out there. So this is a game I expect DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to both be good. I have them both ranked in the wide receiver ones in the top 10 area. I expect them both to have a good game in this one. I expect the passing game of Seattle to have to be leaned on quite a bit in order to consistently move the ball in the first place. So you fire up everybody with confidence that you normally would on Seattle. The running back situation is going to have to wait to play itself out. On the San Francisco side of things, the interesting development is Tevin Coleman. He practiced in full the past couple of days. He hasn't officially been activated for this game yet, but the word that I'm getting is that he's able to practice in full again today and he's not having any uh, soreness in the knee, then they will not only activate him, they will play him and he will start. And Tevin Coleman, all of a sudden, coming off the IR, will be the most valuable 49ers running back to have heading into this week. And the starting 49ers running back is a valuable fantasy asset. It's an RB2 asset. We actually have him ranked as if he's going to play this game, as if he's going to see about 16 carries minimum. And we have him at RB14. Now remember, this is a heavy bye week. We're dealing with some injuries too. It has a lot that goes into his high ranking for us right now. But it's also a Seattle defense that the 49ers are going to have to put up points on. They're going to focus in on the running game because they're missing guys like Debo Samuel out there. 
And Tevin Coleman has always been a favorite of Kyle Shanahan's, even though he hasn't, he's not as explosive as a Raheem Mostert. He doesn't seem to be as involved as a Jerry McKinnon when it comes to the receiving game. But if he's the guy getting the overwhelming majority of the carries against the Seattle defense, I'm going to take my chances on Tevin Coleman as a high-end RB2 play, as a must-play this week, quite frankly. So Tevin Coleman, fire him up. Jerry McKinnon comes in at RB28 for us. So he would come in as a RB3. As a flex play, I like him better in half-point, full-point PPR leagues. I would expect him to be the main receiving back this particular week. I know a lot of people are talking about Jamichael Hasty this, Jamichael Hasty that. I guarantee you Jamichael Hasty is going to be the odd man out. Jeremy Kinnon had his rest week. This is a big divisional matchup game, a big one against the Seattle Seahawks. The 49ers are going to play their best players. Their best players are Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon. And given how this has worked in the past, Jarek McKinnon is going to be the guy to get the receiving work, not Tevin Coleman. So it does make him an RB3 in a game which could see a lot of points, just given the nature of how Seattle's defense has played so far this season. So there is a low floor that comes with Jarek McKinnon for sure because we know Kyle Shanahan will do whatever he wants whenever he wants to and who, who knows what's going to happen. But I'm telling you right now, you're not playing Jermichael Hasty. I don't know why people went crazy trying to pick him up. I had him as a speculative ad if you could get him for free. And then a lot of the leagues I'm in, I watch people bend over backwards to try to get this guy. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Clearly, you're not listening. Clearly, you're not part of MD Nation. Clearly, you're not listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show because I warned everybody on Tuesday on the waiver wire report that Tevin Coleman was going to be the most valuable back because they had been pretty much talking it up that he was going to be able to return this week from the first place. And that looks like it's going to be the case. He's practicing full. So Tevin Coleman's going to be good to go. Another must-play for me this week is Brandon Ayuk. No Debo Samuel going up against Seattle. He's been playing better and better over the past few weeks. He's been developing a little bit more, getting more involved in the offense. And with no Debo, we know he's going to get a couple of shots at the end of rounds and get some big plays possibly just in the running game. Just came off a 100-yard performance last week in the receiving game. It's going to be a lot of Brandon Ayuk. It's going to be a lot of George Kittle this week. George Kittle, of course, coming in as our number one tight end for the week. So I have Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver 16, as a solid wide receiver 2 in a great matchup against Seattle. Fire up Brandon Ayuk. He was somebody who was on the waiver wire report as well. He was really not nearly as owned as I thought he was going to be, especially with Debo. Hadn't been out for the beginning of the season. And Debo might miss some time here. So Brandon Ayuk, fire him up. I like him in this matchup. Even when Debo's been out, he's still kind of a hit-or-miss player. But against Seattle... The 49ers are going to have to be aggressive. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to be aggressive. They're going to have to make throws down the field, I think, in order to keep up with the Seattle offense. That's why I like Brandon Ayuk a lot more in this situation. I feel a lot better about his floor, and he has a very high ceiling to boot. Also another favorite of mine when you're talking about DFS leagues, too. Let's move on to our our first primetime game, the Sunday night game. This could get ugly fast. So Andy Dalton for the Dallas Cowboys has been at team meetings. We're waiting to hear what he's going to be able to do, if anything, in today's practice session. If he's able to find a way to practice at least in a limited capacity, we could see Andy Dalton be the quarterback on Sunday just out of pure desperation. But he would have to do something in a limited capacity on the field today. If he does not, then that would indicate that he's still not progressing through concussion protocol fast enough to be the starting quarterback for the team this Sunday. If Ben DiNucci is the starting quarterback, and we have ranked this Cowboys team as if that is going to be the case, 
everybody takes a huge downgrade. First of all, the Eagles defense has been playing well. With Darius Slay, Fletcher Cox healthy, they're not an easy team to run on. They've been able to take away the number one wide receiver of the opposing teams. The backside wide receiver are the guys who have the big mismatches. Well, because it's going to be Ben DiNucci at quarterback, I don't know how you're going to have any confidence playing CeeDee Lamb or playing Michael Gallup. Now, like I said, they do move Amari Cooper around enough. They do move him into the slot enough where I think there's going to be some situations that Slay will not necessarily shadow him everywhere, but he will be on him for the majority of this game. When you mix that with Ben DiNucci, we have Amari Cooper at wide receiver 26, and even that I think might be too high. Now, he's been getting a lot of the targets. He's, no matter what's been going on with the rest of the wide receivers, no matter who the quarterback has in, Amari Cooper seems to be like a 7-catch, seven 7-8-catch seven, catch machine almost every single week. But with Ben DiNucci and you mix in the shadowing of Darius Slay, there's a low floor on the horizon for Amari Cooper. This could be a 3-catch, 40-yard game. That, that's, that's, that's what we could be looking at. That is in the range of outcomes this week if Ben DiNucci's starting quarterback. Now, if Dalton plays... I'll be okay playing Amari Cooper as a low-end wide receiver, too, because he'll still have a tough matchup. But he'll have a quarterback that I feel confident will get him the ball and be the number one read. We don't know a lot about Ben DiNucci. Who knows? Maybe he comes in and is able to light it up. I lean towards that probably not being the case. After what we saw last week, there wasn't anything in the in the short little window and the small sample size that we did have to make me think that this is somebody who might be able to do something. Which leads to the next point of this should be a great matchup for a C.D. Lamb or a Michael Gallup on the backside and in the slot. But again, I you can't play them. I don't have him in my top 36. The only wide receiver I will contemplate is Amari Cooper just because of the target share because he's going to be the number one read. With Ben DiNucci out there, I, how do you play a C.D. Lamb? How do you play? Michael Gallup hasn't even been a guy you can play or even roster over the past couple of weeks anyway, so he's definitely out. I think the guy you're looking at, you're hoping Lamb could do something. He has the nice matchup, but nope, I'm not taking that chance. I'm not playing him with Ben DiNucci out there. The Cowboys, if they score 10 points in this game, that would that might be their upside in this week, is 10 points. That's kind of the problem. Ezekiel Elliott is only the RB16. He's an RB2 for us this week. He hasn't been great over the past couple of weeks. That offensive line, unfortunately, is not going to get more healthy this week. We're still waiting for some of those guys to come back, and then maybe he'll be able to get things going again. Obviously, he has a high floor because of the involvement. Obviously, the plan is going to try to use Ezekiel Elliott to get the offense moving. But with Flexer Cox is healthy, you haven't been able to run the Eagles. And if you have your JV offensive line on top of it, I don't know, unless Zeke falls into the end zone in this game, I don't know how he has a good game this week. So he's only the RB16. I mean, obviously you're going to play him, but you can't have RB1 expectations for him at all. It's almost a situation where outside of Zeke, if I can avoid the Dallas Cowboys altogether, I'm going to do it. On the Philadelphia Eagles side of things, Carson Wentz, fire him up. First of all, it's the Dallas Cowboys. That's that's number one. So it's already a plus matchup. We have him at QB 11 on the week. He's going to be a, a top streaming option because he's somebody who's actually was a, uh, less than 50% owned. We actually talked about it in the waiver wire report, which was shocking to me because while, for yes, from an NFL standpoint, the narrative around Carson Wentz is that he's not playing as well. From a fantasy standpoint, because he's gotten back to using his legs again, he's been a top fantasy performer over the past few weeks. 
Now you give him Dallas. You give him back Jalen Rager, who's going to be activated and playing in this game. They already came out and said that yesterday. So you're going to give him a legitimate deep threat. Travis Fulgham should be just fine. He should have a nice game here. We have him at, I believe, a top 20 wide receiver again this week. He's going to have a nice game against the Dallas Cowboys at 20 exactly for Travis Fulgham. Carson Wentz should have a nice game. Richard Rodgers is a top six tight end for us. You could play a lot of Philadelphia Eagles this week with confidence, with high ceilings. Jalen Rager, can you play him this week? Only if The only way I would play Jalen Rager is if I'm desperate for a home run threat in my lineup this week because I feel like I just have to take a shot somewhere and hope that there's a big play. It's not that there's not a possibility that that will happen, but just the first week coming off of injury it, there's going to be a question of what kind of shape you're in, how many snaps are you actually going to play as a result of that. Now, it is a great matchup, and it does just take one play for a Jalen Rager type, but there's going to be no floor if you play him in your lineup. So if you're taking the shot on him, it's only because you're in a situation where you feel like you have to hit a home run in order to have a chance to win your matchups based on what your roster construction is. So I don't necessarily want to take the chance, but it's also not out of the realm of possibility he has the opportunity for a big play in this one. The only thing that's really questionable for the Eagles right now is Miles Sanders. Thought he might have a chance to come back in this game, but he hasn't practiced yet. Still waiting on the uh, practice report for the Eagles today, but he wasn't able to practice Wednesday or Thursday. It's looking more and more like Boston Scott's going to be good to go. So we're going to have to update those rankings. We had Miles Sanders the top five running back this week if he was able to go. Boston Scott is somebody who will be a high-end RB2 minimum in this game against the Dallas Cowboys. They'll be able to use him pretty well. Uh, if Sanders cannot go. So that shouldn't really be a surprise to anybody there. Alshon Jeffrey still has not practiced this week. He went from, he's cleared from his foot issue. He's dealing with a hamstring issue now that he picked up while he was in practice or a calf issue, I believe, a soft tissue issue. Uh, so he may not be able to play yet again this week. At this point, Alshon Jeffrey has been somebody who was a speculative ad because we've been able to keep him on IR for me. If you need to open up your IR spot, I have no problem just saying, you know what, there's no reason to even stash you at this point. Who knows when he's going to come back. And from everything I'm hearing, the Eagles are pretty much going to try to do everything in their power to try to trade Alshon Jeffrey before the deadline this week, too. So he might not even be on the Eagles uh, come next Wednesday. So we'll have to see exactly how that's going to play out, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be back in this game. So let's move into the Monday night game. Where, again, it looks like it's shaping up to be very much a one-sided affair. Now, Yet there is some COVID news with this game. The Giants and Buccaneers both have had uh, team officials and I believe a player on the Giants as well has tested positive for COVID. Uh, I believe it was Will Hernandez. They are back at practice now. I mean, except for Hernandez, they've all cleared. They will be back at practice. This game is not in danger of being rescheduled or postponed or anything of that nature. They seem to be on track. So we're okay with the COVID situation with these two teams heading into the Monday night game. That That is the good news, at least for that aspect of it. Tampa Bay comes in. Tom Brady. This is a good matchup. If you need to stream somebody, you can. He comes in at QB7 for us on the week. The only thing I'm worried about Tom Brady, it's kind of like the Patrick Mahomes situation where it's a great matchup. And if they throw the ball, you know, 30 times, they'll probably get you a pretty good game. The problem's going to be, do they throw the ball 30 times? There is going to be a little bit of a low floor when it comes to Tom Brady because Tampa Bay can show up, play defense, and just run the ball and walk away with a win in this one and walk away with a double-digit win at that. And that's really all it would take. So 
there is a little bit of a of a floor. It's kind of it's kind of an oxymoron situation where it's like, oh, it's a great matchup against the Giants. You want to play them, but because they might not offer anything offensively, because right now Tampa Bay looks like the best team on both sides of the ball. That defense is unreal. I don't know what the Giants offensively are going to be able to do to move the ball against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense with any kind of consistency, unless they're able to hit a big couple of plays here and there. As a result to that, they could just play defense and run the ball and easily come out with a win in this game. So that's the only thing I would be a little bit concerned about. But Tom Brady is a top seven quarterback for us on the week still. Because like I said, all it will take is him to throw the ball 25, 30 times. He'll probably walk away with at least 250 yards and two touchdowns, if not more. Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, they're both low-end RB2s for me this week. I think they're both going to see... Somewhere between 12 and 15 carries apiece. Leonard Fournette will, I believe, be more involved as a pass-catching back because he's just a better pass-catcher. He's a better pass-blocker. They just have more faith in him in there. Uh, There's a good chance both of them score. There's a really good chance that both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are able to come away with a touchdown in this game because it's the New York Giants, because it's the matchup. So we have them both as low-end RB2. So this is probably one of the few times that even though they're both healthy, you're going to actually be able to have some confidence in playing both Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Most of the time, that's not going to be the case. Most of the time, if both of these guys are healthy, you're not going to feel like you can play either one because who knows which one's going to actually get the work that day. This is a situation, a game script, that's shaping up to be positive to be able to play both Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones this week. So if you've had a piece of this Tampa Bay backfield and you've had a headache with it, you actually get a little bit of a break this week where you can have confidence in playing either one, I believe, is a low-end RB2. They both have a good shot to score in this game. Mike Evans comes in at our wide receiver 11 on the week. Yes, he's going to be shadowed by James Bradbury. Yes, James Bradbury has been solid so far this season, but he doesn't scare me away from a Mike Evans with no Chris Goblin on the field, even though... Uh, Evans has been hit or missed. When Godwin doesn't play, he seems to be automatic in scoring a touchdown. So I think you're going to have that going for you. Receivers have still been able to perform well against Bradbury. Receivers have still been able to do well against the Giants secondary in general. This is a good matchup. And Evans is somebody, especially when Godwin's been out, who's been moving around and lining up in the slot more and more. They're trying to find him mismatches. I don't know what's going to happen when Mike Evans, when Antonio Brown comes back. My belief is that once Godwin and Brown are both in the lineup, there's a very real chance that you may see Mike Evans wind up being the odd man out, just given what his role in that offense could wind up being, depending on how ready to go Antonio Brown is when he comes back. But for now, in this game, you can fire up Mike Evans as a low-end wide receiver one who has a very good chance of scoring a touchdown. And Scotty Miller comes in as a wide receiver three. We have him at wide receiver three, three on the week. Obviously, there's a low floor when it comes to Scotty Miller because for any rhyme or reason, he could do absolutely nothing. But the difference between the last time Chris Godwin missed and Scotty Miller wound up goosing you guys wasn't even targeted in that game. He's healthy. That was He was banged up heading into that matchup. He's healthy right now. I do believe he's going to act more as an intermediate guy for and is going to be an easy target, an easy matchup for Tom Brady in this one. I think Scotty Miller has a decent floor heading into this game. Again, I don't expect the Buccaneers to have to throw a lot, so you're going to have to take that into consideration when you're looking at what Scotty Miller's ceiling possibly is, even though it's a plus matchup. But he should have a decent floor in this game. He should see somewhere between five to seven targets. And against the Giants, that could mean a, a decent, solid game for fantasy football purposes. 
Rob Gronkowski is the big story to me when it comes to Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the New York Giants. I have him at tight end three. He's been coming on strong as of late. He's back on his chemistry, back on his rapport with Tom Brady, especially in the end zone. They're clicking in that fashion again. He looks like he's finally back in game shape. He's looking a little bit more explosive. He's actually starting to get separation again, starting to use his body again, and he's playing a lot. I'm surprised how much he's playing. Now, we knew that he was going to probably be the starting tight end once O.J. Howard was done for the year, but they have had no trepidations, it seemed like, in playing Rob Gronkowski a lot out there and blocking, and he stayed healthy. The Giants have been horrendous against the tight end so far this year. Expecting it, I feel like every Tampa Bay Buccaneer player I've talked about so far, I said I feel good about them scoring a touchdown. But I do. I mean, this is a team that they could play a very simple, vanilla, predictive offense and be very basic and yet still, still wind up in a situation where everybody could get theirs. Mike Evans, I could see Evans, Gronk, Fournette, Jones all getting touchdowns in this game. All getting touchdowns in this game without even really trying all that much. So you're firing up your Tampa Bay Buccaneer fantasy players with confidence this entire week across the board. Now on the Giants' side of the ball, uh, Devonta Freeman did not practice again. We're not expecting him to play. Wayne Gallman will be the starter, and yet Wayne Gallman will still not be somebody who is going to be in our top 36 at running back. First of all, you can't run the ball in Tampa Bay as it is. The Giants haven't been able to run the ball with really any efficiencies regardless of who they've been playing to this point. Even if he winds up getting all the work because Deion Lewis has been a bunch of nothing so far this year and just looks like he doesn't really have any explosive steps left in his game at this point, you're not going to play Wayne Gallman against Tampa Bay. I mean, he has the lowest of floors for a starting running back could possibly have heading into this Monday night matchup. There's no way you're playing him with any confidence. There's no way that there's not a better option available to you in some shape, way, or form this week. No way. Daniel Jones isn't somebody going to play. Evan Ingram is tight end 19 for us. He's fallen back into, I think, being a streamer and tight, uh, tight end. I don't think he's somebody you have to own. It is a little bit similar to Hunter Henry in the sense of he has been getting the opportunities. He has been getting that high volume of opportunities, but again, he's been even less effective, has had less solid games than Hunter Henry has so far this season. This is not a good matchup for a tight end, and, and any, no matter who the opponent was, uh, I, you have to have a better option than an Evan Ingram. I mean, there's there's catastrophic low floors across the board when you're talking about the New York Giants in this match against Tampa Bay. I mean, they just, they just don't match up well in any capacity, especially the way that offense has been playing. Sterling Shepard's our highest-ranked wide receiver. He's at wide receiver 42, so we're looking at a low-end wide receiver four here. I'm not looking to play him either. I don't think he can play anybody. I like Darius Slayton still moving forward. I know a lot of people made a big deal about Sterling Shepard came in. He reestablished himself as the wide receiver one. Eh. Look, Darius Slayton is the more dynamic wide receiver. Darius Slayton's going to be the guy they lean on when they need to make a big play. He's been a little bit banged up as of late, and he got the Darius Slay shadow last week. That's why Sterling Shepard was on the backside corner of the Philadelphia Eagles. That wide receiver is always going to have a mismatch. Golden Tate's nothing at this point. Golden Tate's just a guy. He's just a body out there. He's nobody's gonna. He's, he's the odd man out. I believe that most games, not this game, but most games moving forward, when you're looking at rest of the season between Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton as who can be a wide receiver three, who can be a piece that you look to go to, I think their target share is going to be relatively similar to one another. I think Shepard is somebody who's going to be somewhere between that six to eight target range, but I think that Slayton is too. And Slayton's going to have a higher ceiling. So I don't think it's necessarily locked in that Sterling Shepard is the wide receiver one of this team. I'm not playing anybody on the Giants this week. But rest of the season, 
I think you can roster both Shepard and Slayton. I think in certain matchups, you're going to know which one to play as a guy to come in and fill in on your flex or fill in at your wide receiver three position. So that wraps up all the games. We've now, between yesterday and today, we've previewed all of your matchups and given you your injury updates and your fantasy analysis. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side with the mailbag segment, and then we'll close out the show for you guys. So stay tuned right after these commercials. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, MD Nation, listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android. And of course, if you have iOS on WWSRN, presented to you by Belly Up Sports on the Halloween edition of the show. Hence the woo Hopefully you guys have a good time trick-or-treating with your kids. Hopefully you have the nice adult costume parties. And of course, hopefully everyone is stays safe and stays smart throughout the weekend with COVID numbers rising once again. We don't want to see anybody getting COVID at all. So let's all work together to make that happen for and look out for one another. While we were on the break, we did actually have a couple of uh, big injury reports come through. Number one, we talked about A.J. Brown, how we weren't worried about him, that we expected him back at practice. That was true. We practiced in full today. It just seems like, keep in mind, on the upcoming weeks when A.J. Brown doesn't practice on Thursday, that's going to possibly be his normal day off, maybe for the rest of the season, if they choose to maintain his knee uh, in that way. And the other injury report that we had was big-time news was Aaron Jones did not practice again today. So we expect him to not play. We expect it to be a Jamal Williams week. Those rankings will be updated soon on the BillyUpFantasySports.com website. You can go ahead and check that out. And we will have Jamal Williams as a high-end RB2, possibly low-end RB1, after we go through and do the different numbers and do our adjustments on the injury reports coming out today. So that keeps you guys all up to date as far as that goes. Now it's time for the mailbag segment before we close out the show. I have a few questions for you guys. Keep in mind, if you ever want to have a chance to have your question on the mailbag segment in one of these shows, all you have to do is hit us up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow on either Facebook or Twitter. It doesn't matter which one. And we'll go ahead and not only answer your questions when you ask them to us, but we'll pick out our few favorite ones to put on the mailbag segment. So that's what all that's all you have to do to be part of this. So we have Derek he came on and asked me, Henderson or Hyde this week in a half-point PPR league? We'll, we'll examine this from the concept that you were thinking about playing Hyde you know, as the main running back, as the Belkel running back with Chris Carson being out, and the idea that Hyde was actually going to play. So we'll examine it from there just in case that actually does wind up being the situation, even though it's looking more and more like Carlos Hyde may or may not even play in this game. But we still had Daryl Henderson early in the week ranked ahead of Carlos Hyde. Not by a lot. We have Henderson ranked 17th while Carlos Hyde's ranked 19th. But it's a better matchup for Daryl Henderson. I think he has established himself this at this point as the number one running back for that Rams carousel, that Rams nightmare of a situation. But he's now gotten at least 15 carries pretty consistently Cam Akers doesn't seem like he's as involved. Henderson's been efficient. He's been explosive. 
I think the only question is, does he get the touchdown or do they go back to a Malcolm Brown situation and stuff like that? So his ceiling is in question, but him being an RB2, I believe, especially in this game, in this matchup, is not. So we do like Darren Henderson quite a bit. And then we also add into the fact that now it looks like we have to question whether or not Carlos Hyde's even going to be available in this game. It becomes more and more of a no-brainer to go with Daryl Henderson in, in this one. So there you go, Derek. We would suggest you go Daryl Henderson this week. Frank, he asked me, Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson? I think this is actually a question. I really like this one. I think it's a question a lot of people are dealing with because a lot of people probably picked up Justin Herbert throughout the year. You drafted Lamar Jackson high. Lamar has been in, uh, has been disappointing, especially if you drafted him in the second or third round. It's just yet, to me, uh, it's just yet another example as to why we advise you guys not to draft quarterback early because it is so hit or miss. There can The guys that you draft late, if you drafted a Ryan Tannehill late, you're getting top 10 quarterback play. Uh, this is why you wait the quarterback position, especially if you're in one quarterback leagues. That's why you wait. Rarely does a quarterback who sets the record book like Lamar Jackson did or Patrick Mahomes did two years ago comes back the following year and has a repeat performance. And if you drafted Lamar Jackson in the second or third round, he had to have a repeat performance. Now, I wasn't expecting Greg Roman to suddenly lose his aggressiveness, lose his creativeness in his play calling. That was not my expectation. That has caught me by surprise. I didn't expect this team to be struggling with an identity coming out of their backfield. Something that I'm going to be curious to see if they've relegated or fixed in any kind of way coming out of the bye week. And Lamar Jackson's too talented to be held down forever. He's going to turn this thing around. He's still, we still expect him to finish as a top-five quarterback for the rest of the season. But if you're asking me for this particular week, with the Ravens playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, a tough divisional game, a game in which could very well be a slobber-knocker 17-10 type of game, and you examine Justin Herbert with the way he has played as of late, the fact that the best way to move the ball against the Denver Broncos, like we talked about earlier in this show, is to throw it with Keenan Allen healthy, I would go with Justin Herbert in this game with the way he has been playing. I think he has a higher ceiling, a higher floor, and a better matchup in a situation where he's going to be expected to throw the ball in order to move the ball. Where with Lamar Jackson and the Steelers and Ravens matchup, that could just be an ugly defensive game. It could very easily turn into that as from a divisional standpoint. So yeah, I would actually have play Justin Herbert ahead of Lamar Jackson this week. I'm going to pull up the rankings for you guys just to give you an idea. Justin Herbert coming in as our QB5 while Lamar Jackson is our QB9 on the week. So we do have Herbert higher. Our last question of today, we have Spencer asked me, Devontae Parker or Sterling Shepard? I talked about how I don't want to play a Giants player at all in this game uh, upcoming against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night. We're playing Devontae Parker. He is healthy. I don't love the matchup, obviously, because he has to go up against Jalen Ramsey because they're going to be Tua Tagovailoa's debut, so we don't exactly know what's truly going to happen. But I do know Parker has a safe floor. And while he's going up against Ramsey, Ramsey can be beat sometimes, especially on double moves because he likes to get greedy and he likes to go for the interception. I think Parker's going to be the first read for Tua. You're still able to move the ball to some degree through the air against the Rams team. I think there's a good chance the Dolphins may be trying to come back from behind in this one. So there's a good chance for garbage time points. Parker is a wide receiver uh, a low-end wide receiver, too, for us this week. Somebody you can play with some confidence to give you the value that you've been looking for out of him on a week-to-week basis to this point anyway. Uh, so we, you can go ahead and fire up Parker, especially over Sterling Shepard, who has some of the lowest of floors. 
that's going to do it for today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you guys stay safe. Have a fun Halloween weekend. Hopefully you guys win your matchups. We will be back on Monday with the Sunday afternoon recap and, of course, on Tuesday with the Waiver Wire Report shows. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Follow us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app on Android or WWSRN on iOS. And check out BellyUpFantasySports.com for the updated rankings that will be coming to you guys this weekend. Everyone take care and be safe and good luck to your matchups this weekend. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 